All right, Encounter Church, good morning. How are you, those of us who are here in Kentwood? You good? You, are you good? I'm going to try it one more time. Are you good? Oh, I believe you. And if you're joining us online, I want to say hello. We're so glad that you're a part of our online audience. We are kicking off a new message series today called How to Hope. If you have a phone or a Bible with you, you can open those to Jeremiah chapter 18. I'm sure several of you have already spent plenty of time in Jeremiah this week. I'm very excited to do that. Dylan and Caleb mentioned also that we have an information meeting for the Fulton Heights location. Anybody interested in Fulton Heights? Wow, mom, thank you. Uh, Someone bet me 50 bucks that half of us are going to go to the meeting at Fulton Heights. Where is that meeting? Where is that information meeting? It is here. It is in this very room. So if you want to know more about Fulton Heights, come here. Don't go to Fulton Heights yet. That'll be later. That'll be later. So how to hope. Jeremiah 18, we're starting with this book. And for the next four weeks, we're going to look at four chapters, four stories from the life of Jeremiah and the history of the Jewish people in how God's word through Jeremiah provided challenge, how it called for change and enduring comfort in very desperate times. And if there was hope available for the people in Jerusalem at that time during the building of a national tragedy, then I believe that we can find hope from God's word for us today as well. Do you believe that too? All right. So uh, as you turn to Jeremiah uh, 18, are you guys there? Wonderful. Uh, How far would you be willing to go to get someone's attention? How far would you be willing to go to get someone's attention? Would you shout? Would you honk? Would you wave? Would you whisper? We're going to look today at the lengths that God would go to get people's attention through Jeremiah. Jeremiah 18, verse 1. This is what it said. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Basically, he, he heard from God the meaning of that picture. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. Well, that's fun. That's good. This is a desperate time and a difficult time, and I believe often in difficult times we need to hear difficult words. So we're going to jump into this, and we're going to look at a couple things just to set up and to frame this series on Jeremiah. We're going to talk about what a prophet is, who is Jeremiah, what does it mean to be formed, and what makes good clay. So what's a prophet? People used by God to share a message of truth, 
often very, very difficult truth to an audience. Being a prophet was tremendously difficult and burdensome work. These men and women went to great lengths to wake people up from their apathy and their disobedience and were often misunderstood. They were ignored. They were beaten and sometimes worse. They shared God's desire, reminding people of their commitments. They held leaders accountable. They consulted with kings and they encouraged justice. They spoke of coming disasters and they encouraged heartfelt obedience to God. In Hebrews, in the New Testament, the whole book written to Jewish believers says this. It starts with this in chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And the way that those prophets often gained their audience was pretty dramatic. Here's a couple examples. Ezekiel In the book of Ezekiel, he laid on his side for 390 days and cooked his food over poop, uh, which I imagine was very unpleasant, for 390 days as a picture of the people's disobedience for 390 years. Hosea, a prophet, named his children very, very sad names and loved them as God loved the people even through their rebellion. Isaiah walked around in his underwear for three years, which I assume was a call to uh, the people's repentance. They buried their clothes. They were fed by birds. They smashed pottery. They ate scrolls. And this is more than just shocking performance art. These people are committed to get people's attention. They're going to do whatever it takes to share the message that God has for them. In his book, Run with the Horses, Eugene Peterson says this, A prophet lets people know who God is and what he is like, what he says and what he's doing. A prophet wakes us up from our sleepy complacency. A prophet angers us by rejecting our disguises. A prophet makes it difficult to continue with our sloppy or selfish life. The work of a prophet is to call people to live well, to live rightly, to be human. But It is more than a call to say something. It is a call to live out the message. And that is Jeremiah's commitment. Jeremiah was one of the most effective and revered prophets. He was enlisted for the difficult task of speaking truth to power and calling people back to God's love for them at a very young age. He was asked by God to do something that he couldn't do on his own. He saw himself as unworthy to the task, and God promised to work through him in the midst of his, of his insecurities and his inadequacies. And throughout his life, Jeremiah spoke against the country's disobedience, its injustice. He called out the hypocrisy in other prophets and priests, which made him very unpopular with those folks, with the religious elite. They did not like him for many of the things that he was saying. He is unfairly referred to as the reluctant prophet, sometimes called the the human, the most human prophet, or even the weeping prophet because he cried out to God. But I feel like a more accurate title is just the authentic prophet. I love Jeremiah because he was honest and candid as he talks with God 
and prayer. I think he sets an example for how we can approach God, sharing his concerns, his frustrations, and even his fears with God. Yes, he doubts and he even complains and he mourns, but Jeremiah also trusts, he obeys, he acts with incredible boldness. In his career, and we're going to see this over the upcoming three or four weeks, Jeremiah would be mocked, he would be beaten, he was thrown in jail, he faced plots to kill him because he warned of this impending collapse of the nation of Israel at the hands of the Babylonian Empire. And he spoke against a growing blind nationalism in the Hebrew people, this assumption that God would bless them even in their selfishness and injustice. He was gutsy, he was well-rounded, he was intelligent, he was action-oriented, he was integrated in a courageous man of faith, the complex and compelling kind of person that you would want to sit down and have a drink with to learn more about. In that like icebreaker question, like what's one person in history that you would want to have coffee with? Like Jeremiah is on my list. He lived a different kind of life. He was motivated for a different kind of cause, and he was compelled to speak courageously. I think he set an example worth following, and I think over the next few weeks we're going to be just, uh, we have the opportunity to not only learn what it looks like to have hope in God's word, but he sets an example worth following in living courageously. And if I were to sit down and have coffee with him, I would say, tell me about the time that you went to the potter. Because this is what he says. Again, this is what the, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. The Hebrew nation is abusing God's patience. They're assuming that God will bless them and that blessing will prevail even when their obedience to God fails. And God is warning them that he's going to use these outside circumstances to reform their hearts through a painful season. It's interesting, this idea of form, that the potter and forming the potter is forming the clay. And to better understand that, the, the language that Jeremiah uses is the Hebrew language. And there's a word play here that I think is really, really interesting. The word for form in the Hebrew is yatsar. Can you say yatsar? Can you, can you say it out loud, though? Yatsar? Yatsar, that means to form, to fashion, or to make. And the Hebrew word yotzer, say yotzer. Yotzer is the Hebrew word for potter. And this Hebrew wordplay shows up throughout the, the history of the Jewish people in all sorts of amazing ways. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the creation account. The Lord Yatsar, the, your, the Lord formed man, the, your, the Lord Yatsar man from the dust, and Yatsar, the birds and the animals. In Psalm 74, David says, It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made, you Yatsar, both summer and winter. 
The book of Isaiah, chapter 43, this common passage. See, I'm doing a new thing. I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen people, the people I formed, the people I yatsar for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. God uses the, the word yatsar, that he is forming people throughout the Hebrew scriptures. And the significance of that would not be lost on Jeremiah, the, the historical relevance that God is forming people for a purpose. But it's more than just a historical fact for Jeremiah. When God calls Jeremiah to be a prophet at a very, very young age, this is what God says to Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I yatsar you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, Jeremiah says, I don't know how to speak. I am too young, he tells God. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to say. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. God calls Jeremiah to be a messenger of hope. And Jeremiah knows that God is a God who forms that God is forming something valuable and needed in the life of Jeremiah. And he's forming the people of God into something valuable as well. He was being made into God's best. And God is reinforcing truths the people had in their minds from the earliest days of their history. God is Yatsar. He is a former. He is a maker. God is an artist. The method of pottery, like of pottery making, has changed very little in thousands of years. It's still a very similar process. And pottery is this really unique blend of like fashion and function, beauty and usefulness. And in a world where art can be pretty highbrow and abstract and separated from like our normal kind of just living life, life, pottery plays a really interesting role. Uh, last week, I, I read this in the news last week in Italy, an Italian artist sold a piece of art for $18,000. And he's a sculptor, and this gentleman sculpted uh, a, an invisible sculpture of energy. So he's, I know, you're looking at me with that face, and that's the face you should have. He made a sculpture of nothing in a five-by-five five area, and he sold it for $18,000, and it comes with a little piece of paper, like a certificate of authenticity, and somebody bought it. And I was going to show a picture of it, but I just felt like that was useless. So instead, I made one myself, and I... No, it's over here. I don't, know where, I don't know where I put it. That was stupid. That was stupid. I worked on that this week. I was pretty proud of it, though. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 
We'll have to move that before the band comes back up, obviously, because it's going to be in the way. (laughs) But pottery is different than weird art. Pottery, it serves a purpose. We find in pottery a tactile reality, a unified vision of both art and purpose. You can find like more moving art in the world than you might in like a small clay vase or a plate. And you can find more useful containers than a clay pot, but few things throughout history have accomplished both as well as pottery. And it's with this image of the potter in his work that Paul reminds us that we are the artwork that God has created to be both useful and beautiful to the world. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, Paul reminds us, for we are God's what? We are God's masterpiece, or we are God's workmanship. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us to do. God is the artist, the former, the maker, and you are the container made to hold the hope of God in Christ for the world, to be beautiful and useful, to be beautiful and useful. And beauty and purpose do not just happen. Beauty and usefulness have to be formed over time. And I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Spiritual formation to be formed is the process of maturing, of growing, and becoming more like Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Summarizing Dallas Willard, an incredible writer, he says it is a lifelong reshaping of the human will, the spirit, and the heart to follow the way of Jesus. And we want to be formed by Jesus, because only he can form us towards true wholeness and peace. Wholeness and peace, the idea that nothing is missing and nothing is broken. Nothing is missing, nothing is broken. Every other kind of formation that we find leaves us incomplete and searching for more. All creatures are formed. We all allow ourselves to be shaped by something. We all allow ourselves to be shaped by someone. The good and the evil have been formed. Terrorists and saints, the bright and the dull, have all been formed by something. The Jews are choosing to be formed in this story by their desires, by acting selfishly and unjustly. And Jeremiah is warning them of the coming inevitable events that will reshape them like clay in the hand of the potter. So what makes good clay? Any, uh, any artist knows that the, the quality of the materials that they use make a huge difference in the final product. Inconsistent or low-quality clay is 
I'm told, super difficult to work with. So a chemist's formulation for contemporary earthenware clay, as you know, is 25% kaolin, 25% ball clay, 35% quartz, and 15% feldspar. I know, just refreshing your memory. You already knew that, but I didn't need to tell it to you. When you mess with the formula, you impact the outcome of the vase or the plate or the bowl. And for God to shape us as people, he seeks good clay. He has shown us time and time again in the scriptures that he seeks good clay. And we would assume that what makes good clay is the smartest and the strongest and the most confident and the most ambitious, but that is not the case. He's not even looking for the purest or the most obedient. God, God's good clay is trusting and willing and humble and patient. I believe that the composition for good clay for a person to be used by God, the example for what good clay looks like is found in the book of Proverbs in a fairly popular passage in chapter 3. It says this, Trust in the Lord. Maybe if you're a student of scriptures, you've heard this before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. Trust, trust, trust God's goodness that the potter has your best intentions in mind, his plan for you, the work he's doing on that pottery wheel of your life, his hope and his plan for you is good. God is powerful enough to do what pleases him, and it pleases the Lord to do good in your life. Trust in the Lord. Lean on his understanding. His understanding. Romans 9.20 references this idea of the potter, and Paul says, But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Lean on his understanding because God knows what he's doing when he forms us. And the last idea, trust and lean on his understandings and submit to his ways. Some Bibles use the word acknowledge, acknowledge him. I think the word submit is a little more precise and a little more helpful here, that we would submit to the work of the potter, like clay being worked on and being formed, we submit ourselves to the will of a good former. This week, um, in, in reading this, I, I just had to put my Bible down for a few minutes, and I just had to reflect on how I've experienced God as a former, how I've experienced God as a maker. And it was a good process. And I'd encourage you over the upcoming days, maybe it'd be good for you to sit down for 15 minutes and reflect and pray and ask, God, how are you forming me? What kind of clay, what kind of clay am I? What have you been doing in my life? And to look back at the last year and see how God has been gracious or patient 
how he has been working in you and through you. I think for me, there's, there were a couple things. Uh, I think I've observed him cutting away at some of my need to impress other people. Some of my need to perform and, and be at my best all the time. I mean, I still, want you, I still want you to like me. Like, you can still send me an email. We can still say, you know, but God is cutting a, away a little bit of that. Some of that has been painful. But it's the right thing. I think God has been showing me that there's a better way than selfishness. And how the relationships in my life are reminding me of that and how a call to generosity and a call to trust. And he's also, man, still revealing areas that still need to be shaped. He's showing me areas that still need to be formed. A profound impatience that I'm reminded of over and over again and thinking through, okay, how can I be good clay for God to work in my life to start to remove some of that marred clay to be the purpose that he has for me. And, and the good news for me, and I think the good news for you, is that the work of the former, the work of the Yatsar is not done. It's not complete. He has not stopped forming. It's a part of his character. It's a part of who God is. He is a maker. And you are not complete yet. And I think that is an incredibly hopeful idea. In the next chapter in Jeremiah, chapter 19, God calls Jeremiah to purchase a clay pot from this potter. And he takes that pot and he gathers many of the religious leaders around. And he takes it and he throws it to the ground, shattering and it's an image, and it's a symbol of their hardened hearts, of their overconfidence in themselves, in their belief that they had arrived. And what that communicated was they believed that they were done being formed by God. But none of us are done. You are not done being formed by God. He's still working. He's still making. He's still forming you if you want to be formed by him. If you want to be the good clay. If you want to be used by the potter to be both useful and beautiful to the world around you. When we look at the idea of hope, for me, I don't think there's anything more hopeful than, than saying, my control, my way, my best is not best for me. So I will live a life where I am good clay. I'll be the best clay I can be, trusting the work of the maker.
trusting the work of the potter, trusting the work of the artist who is making me into whatever useful or beautiful thing he sees fit. My hope for you this week is that you can spend some time reflecting on how God is forming you. You can ask honest questions of yourself of of how has God been working? What does he want to work on? Where will he be working? Where does he need to keep forming? And I believe that that process is important. I think in that you will be reminded of God's faithfulness. You'll be reminded of how he's worked in your life. You'll be able to worship him, say thank you. And you'll also be reminded of the areas that you do need to submit to him, to hold up and say, you do your best. You make your masterpiece. I don't, I don't want to try to be the clay and the potter. And that's my hope for us as we begin the series, as we look at these intriguing and compelling stories from the life of Jeremiah, and we look at how to hope. Let's pray together and, and reflect on God's goodness as we worship again. Jesus, we thank you for your word that speaks powerfully in our lives. God, would we not miss that these illustrations, these pictures of who you are give us hope today? God, would we not race past our lives? Would we not try to, to form ourselves because when we do, it, we simply just don't do as good of a job as you. So God, would you continue to form us? Would you continue to work in us? Would you continue to make in us a people of this church your masterpiece, God, that we would be useful and beautiful to the world around us? We trust you as the Yatsar, as the former, as the maker. And we worship you now. Amen.